Okay, Derek, Michigan is 17-0, and 0, coming off a 20-point win against Northwestern. I I feel like, you know, even when things were going really well early in the season, we probably didn't look at 17-0 as a real possibility. But we're here, and I just got to ask straight away, beginning of the show, how far do you think this thing goes? You know, honestly, I, I remember looking at the schedule and – after obviously wins against Villanova and North Carolina and even Purdue at that point, I'm pretty sure, and saying, hey, they've got a real good shot at being undefeated uh, until Wisconsin. And so I guess that's really what I still have circled is anytime you travel to Madison, Wisconsin, and take on the Badgers, uh, as kind of up and down as a season as they've had this season, it's a tough place to play. There's not a lot of great memories, uh, at least that I can think of. I can think of Michigan losing on half-court shots. Uh, I mean, any way you could uh, imagine losing, I feel like Michigan has lost that way in Madison, Wisconsin against the Badgers. And so naturally, I I think that uh, things are in jeopardy uh, this weekend. Uh, If they do get that win, I think that you'll see uh, another win against Minnesota. I think you can take care of Indiana again, even though that's a tough environment to play. Uh, and then you have to really circle that Ohio State uh, because Ohio State, although I think has lost a couple in a row now, still a, a very good team. And, and just overall, the Big Ten is really competitive. And so they're bound to lose. It's just, I guess, a matter of when they do. I think the last time we talked about this and we were trying to decide like where Michigan would lose, I believe I said Wisconsin for all the conventional reasons. Basically everything you just said. Eighth year senior, Ethan Happ, et cetera, et cetera. But they're losers of four of the last five, the Badgers mm-hmm. are. So and and the season by and large has been, like you said, up and down. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take that away. I, and I think I think they're gonna get to eighteen and zero and become number one of the country, which is something that I can't believe it took this long in the show to even mention. <laughs> they're they're probably gonna become number one in the country if they beat Wisconsin because uh, Duke lost to Syracuse at home. Really weird game. Did you watch that? Yeah, I did watch part of it. I was, uh, more, I was there. More sort of the beginning, though. Oh, see, I was there very late. Like, uh, I watched I watched Syracuse miss a, miss a three to go into overtime, and then I was, I was in and out. I've been watching this show called The Curse of Oak Island. It was on the History Channel, and now it's on Hulu. And I'm I'm glued to it. So most of my weekday basketball consumption is like with the Curse of Oak Island on the TV, and I'm just kind of watching basketball on my phone. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that was a plug for the Curse of Oak Island. I'm, I guess. Um, I I guess I don't. I, I would have to go all the way down to like February 24th against Michigan State, where I'm thinking like that's. That's a game where I, I'm not confident Michigan's going to win. I think they'll probably slip up before then, but I have to go all the way to the end of February, basically, to find a game where I'm thinking, like, no, I, I, I really do think Michigan will lose. And that's over a month away. So, of course, by the time we get there, it could be totally different. I'm just – I don't see a team right now other than Michigan State that – that's definitely going to give Michigan a test. Again, not saying it's not going to happen. I just think 
it's it, Michigan is that good right now. I mean, I'm pretty sure just looking at it, that's like 27, 28, and no, if you if you get to that point, which would be obviously outstanding. I don't disagree because I think that that is honestly the matchup that a lot of people are are already ready to tune into, even though it's not until the end of February. And obviously, I think the the next best team in the Big Ten. Uh, in my opinion, is Michigan State. But I just don't think that they can avoid uh, – I mean, they, they've got to slip up at some point, it seems. Although I do, yeah, I, I do legitimately think that they are the best team in the country. I still think Duke might have the most talent. I think Virginia sometimes can come off as the most balanced. Uh, but when you have a game like Xavier Simpson and John Teske being the stars of Michigan, uh, while Jordan Poole and Charles Matthews and – and the Brasdakis kind of exist. Um, that's a really good sign for for this Michigan team and the success that they've had and and going to have. When you've got really legitimately five starters and Isaiah Livers off the bench who can do some really amazing things. I see Wisconsin again just because if we we're talking about a game more like the game of that Michigan had at Northwestern, uh, where they seemed to really struggle and they they squeaked out a win. I have trouble seeing uh, Michigan pull off a win, letting a Wisconsin team hang around uh, on the road than maybe pulling off a win at Northwestern. I also think the same with Indiana. Uh, Indiana is a a very talented team. Uh, Having a second shot at Michigan on their home floor uh, I think could be a challenge. Uh, I can really pass over the Ohio State. I think, again, a good team, but I think Michigan can handle them at home. Michigan seems to be an incredible team at home just over the last few seasons specifically. At Iowa, I'm not really worried about. And then, honestly, Maryland, I think, would be the next team that I really uh, I feel like can really play with anybody but also can play down to their competition. And so you've really got to have the best night from Michigan on some of these top 25 matchups, whereas some of these other games they can definitely have a, a game where it's like, meh. You know, they struggled, but they found a way to win, kind of survive and advance mentality. But, I mean, at 17-0 with the possibility of continuing the streak for who knows how many games, no matter what happens, by the time they get to Michigan State, in which you believe uh, is probably their best shot at, at losing first, I would be surprised if they have more than two losses and would honestly be shocked if they have three or four by February 24th. Yeah, I'm just not sure where they would come from, those three, four losses, whatever. Um, Biggest development that Michigan could make, and this is a very opportune time to talk about this, given Xavier Simpson's outburst, 24 points. I think he was like five of 10, maybe from three. Mm -hmm. That, That was a career game for him. Is that the thing that could take Michigan to the next level? If Xavier Simpson is not just a scorer, but a legitimate outside threat? Yeah, so when I looked at that game and, and kind of saw it unfold and how he kind of went off there offensively, I started to think about uh, Derek Walton, uh, senior Derek Walton, who kind of, I mean, could always shoot the three and, and always really reliable at the free throw line, which you can't really say the same for Xavier Simpson, at least over the course of his career. But I think Xavier Simpson's a, a much better defender uh, and seems to kind of play with a, a unique attitude that really gives him a spark on the court. He's got the tremendous uh, hook shot that seems to, to fall almost every time. And so you can't really compare the players because they're different. But at some point, Derek Walton went from being a great kind of 
leader uh, of, of the team and, and dishing the ball and making sure things are, are happening the, the way that a John Beeline offense should to legitimately taking over in a game and, and scoring buckets of points, hitting big threes. And so Xavier might not be the shooter that Derek Walton turned into, but I think that this was a game that can lead to much more as as uh, he'll be around uh, for, for quite a while. He's got the rest of the season and next. I think that that's really what you can hope he becomes on a more regular basis. Can you promise the the shooting uh, like that on any given night? No. Uh, he's definitely struggled from beyond the arc. Uh, he definitely struggles at the free throw line at times. But if Michigan's going to take the next step as a team, uh, the development is Xavier Simpson being able to take over as a scorer, not just kind of a facilitator where he where he's been usually most of his career and then obviously continues to be a great defender. Yeah, I like the comparison to Derek Walton Jr. The only difference there is that Walton did that out of necessity. Like the the team needed somebody to, to mm-hmm. step up into that role. And of course, in Xavier Simpson's case here, I mean, he's got scores around him and this is just uh, something extra to add to Michigan's offense. The thing I think about like when he, he he's obviously never had a spurt like he did against um, Northwestern, but like you know he he'll hit a couple threes and whatnot. And I think about all the times just in like a normal possession when teams back away from him, yeah. if he if he can hit those shots and make defenders come out on him, and suddenly you've got potentially five players out on the perimeter. He's already a, a great driver. That's his. He's a, he's a distributor off that drive. I mean, that's his. Uh, that's what he brings to the offense for the most part. I just, man, I really, I really think Michigan would become like significantly better if teams all of a sudden had to start going out there and like respecting that shot. Not that he's going to make fifty percent of his threes down the stretch, but that he's going to make you come out whereas before you might sag off a little bit to make sure he doesn't blow by you and hit a cutting uh another cutting player so like that's that's the thing that gets me really excited about what could happen if the scoring streak continues yeah and for me when i look at it even if it's not five or ten or shooting 50 percent, like you said hitting one for three one for two two for three I mean, that changes the dynamic just as much uh, like you talked about with forcing defenders to come out at him. And and I was looking um, after the game because, I mean, he seems like he's scored a lot more. And and looking at the last three-game stretch, he's been in double digits three times. Before that three-game stretch, he had only been in double digits four times all season long. And, and we mentioned this, he, he doesn't need to be the scorer that Derek Walton had to turn into because of all the other playmakers and guys that can go for, for 15 or more on any given night. And sometimes multiple guys, they've got a couple of games where multiple guys have double digit games, which is again, excellent. They're spreading the wealth. No one really needs to be the star. They're just there to, to win basketball games. And it feels that way more than ever uh, teams previously, but for him to even start making some of those shots, helps his confidence. I'm sure this game helped a ton. He might come out against Wisconsin and go 0 for 4 
from the three-point line, and it might make fans mad, and they might want him to stop shooting again. But I think anything he can do to contribute offensively, scoring 12-16 and then a career night of 24, uh, I think is going to be big moving forward. And in those games, not only was he scoring more points, he was taking a significant number of more shots. I mean, 17 shots is the most he's taken all year by three. The only other time he was close was Purdue, where he was 5 for 14, and then the game before Illinois. Uh, the game before the, this last Northwestern game, he was 6 for 13. He only took 10 shots in two other games. And so a lot of that is why his scoring has been down and he's played a different role. But, man, if he can start scoring 15 points a game over this last stretch of Big Ten games, I mean, Michigan is in much better hand. And so really, really impressed with how he's improved and know that he'll continue to grow as a player. And just honestly thankful that uh, he's the point guard of the team because I, I think he's – uh, got that mentality that he does not uh, want to be beat, and he almost plays with that chip on his shoulder. Of he's he's been doubted a lot, and he scored a lot of points in high school. I know they said that in that broadcast, and that's the same game. Uh, you score the same way in high school as you do at the the next level, even though the competition's different. And so he can get the ball in the basket. Uh, we've we've seen a lot more of that recently, which has been good. You know what I like is when they get um, Eli Brooks out there with them. Because Brooks is yep. better offensively, and I, he's a he's someone I trust with the ball. It doesn't really matter who brings the ball up in my mind between him and Brooks and even Jordan Poole bringing it up. It's like whatever, but I do like the wrinkle with with Eli Brooks in there because he is a, he's a really good shooter, pretty good driver. I mean, there's a reason Xavier Simpson is a starter. I just think. Um, no, there's a role for, for Eli Brooks to play, even as we heap this praise on Xavier Simpson. And even if he turns into some superstar, mm-hmm. I, I think John Beeline understands that, that Eli Brooks is still um, maybe not a significant cog in the machine, but um, he's, he's played a, a pretty significant role in getting the offense going sometimes. And so I, I, I wouldn't really count on, Eli Brooks going away and I hope that people do give him due credit because he's earned it honestly and he's playing behind a good player a really good defender but I don't think we should forget about Eli Brooks yeah I mean and it's good to mention him because really if you look at this team this year it's seven players that are doing most of the work Um, there's seven players that are averaging over 15 minutes a game Austin Davis plays the next most, and, and Brandon Johns got some uh, significant minutes in the one game uh, where he was very effective in, in doing so. Um, so when I look at that, I mean, you have to include Eli Brooks in that conversation because his role is so important uh, up until this point and moving forward, and I think he is a better offensive player. Uh, I think he uh, definitely you can you can see he's more comfortable in the offense this year. Uh, and he makes an impact. He's not afraid to dribble around a little bit. I know he had a costly turnover trying to dribble behind the back um, uh, on Sunday, but you know he's he's out there wanting to make plays. He's willing to take shots, and and I think anytime you can have your 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 main players and the seven that Michigan uh, at Michigan that see the court at the most. I mean, he's making an impact, and there will come a time, I'm sure, in this uh, competitive Big Ten season where he can bust out and have a 10, 12, 15 point game. Uh, and I'd be, I'd almost be more surprised if that didn't happen uh, than if it did. 
Uh, I just know that he plays such a significant role playing those minutes uh, behind a talented Xavier Simpson or even alongside him. Okay, I'm going to pose a what I think is a difficult question. What is an area where Michigan really needs to improve? The Xavier Simpson thing, like I said, it's it's a step up. It's not a necessity. Is there an area where Michigan absolutely does need to improve? I would say creating depth. And my biggest concern with really just kind of rotating seven players is when you see uh, Brandon Johns have the performance he did when Isaiah Livers sat out, I'd like to see one more guy come in to kind of relieve Teske and and Isaiah Livers. That's a little bit more um, versatile. Austin Davis comes in and fouls a lot. Uh, and so he's usually not out there very long. He Teske's been playing 30 minutes. He, he conditioned well enough to be able to play those 30 minutes a game, uh, which is in not 30 a game, but in multiple games he's played 30 or more. I would like to see one more player, that eighth player. You never know what injuries can happen. Uh, maybe Isaiah Livers and, and kind of the back thing comes back. I'd like to see one more player add to the rotation because some of those teams that maybe they're young, maybe it's the Duke, uh, who has a lot of young talent. Those teams are technically deeper talent-wise, uh, even though they lack some of the experience that Charles Matthews and Xavier Simpson and even a Jordan Poole can bring. And so for me, I think the area is maybe putting Brandon Johns into the mix a little bit more, knowing that he is a guy of the future uh, and did show some potential uh, and some action there. So I don't have an answer to this question, and that's basically the reason I asked it. I was thinking that maybe something you said would spark an idea, but I mean, depth of of course could, could always be a a worry, but John Beeline teams typically aren't that deep anyway, as in they don't use many players off the bench. And that's not really a comment on like the talent on the bench. It's just, that's the way he seems to prefer to, to coach the game. I can't think of an absolute necessity. I mean, I tried to, justify like yeah maybe they get a little ahead of themselves offensively sometimes and it can be true but it's one it's not uh, necessarily a bad thing because that that kind of aggression is good for a team that does sometimes hit um offensive slumps but i i mean I'm, i'm i can't think of anything and i i feel like it's a little naive of me is there anything else though that you can think of no, but what I will say is I think one of the reasons, and and I think we have the ability to kind of look at this team and say, hey, you can't really focus on one area like you maybe could have in years past. I was looking at the schedule last year, and not really the schedule, even the rankings, and Michigan was unranked for so long, and it, they finally bolted up to like number seven, I think, the second to last uh, week of the AP poll, and then they were eventually, I think, top five, they played – I think they're number five maybe when they played number two Purdue in the in the Big Ten championship. And so it took a while for them to kind of reach that level. And there are some things you could point out in, in this team and in teams prior uh, that have had the tournament runs uh, where you maybe an area to work on. But the reality is, is this team is 17-0 and, and like we touched on, on the verge of potentially being the number one team in the country with a win at Madison this weekend. And so, and, and I will say as well, 
you're not only 17 and 0. I think there's literally only been two games that have been within 10 points. So you're beating teams convincingly. Sometimes it's more of a four to six point game and follows at the end, bumping to eight to 10 to 12. But the reality is, is this is a very, very good basketball team, ranked number two in the country, easily has a case for number one in the country. And so you almost don't expect to be able to find some obvious flaws. I think as the Big Ten season goes on and maybe that first loss or two comes, we can maybe sit down again and say, okay, well, in both losses, they really seem to struggle with a scoring drought in the second half or getting behind after starting slow and never really being able to work back into it. Because every game, the one thing I have seen, if you were to be really nitpicky, is no matter if they're up 30 or 10, they always seem to have that drought in the second half around maybe the 18 to 12 minute mark and then they always respond i think northwestern cut it back within 10 or so next thing you know four minutes ago they're back up 20 and then they end with a 20 point victory that's the only thing i could see happening maybe out of wisconsin where it's more of a back and forth game and that drought comes and you let a team finally get ahead by eight to ten points but michigan really hasn't trailed uh, for a significant period of time all season long yeah no the the last game that michigan won by less than 10 points was against Western Michigan. So yeah. And that wasn't a game where I, I don't think I ever feared that they were going to lose that game. I just think I kind of waited for them to make a huge run and, and Western just kind of hung around, but yeah, it's, you can go as far as saying not even many teams get to 62 points. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They've had plenty of teams score fifties, forties. You can go all the way back to those early games where teams are scoring in thirties. Yeah. Uh, anything you want to add before we wrap up here? No, just uh, excited to continue to watch this team, and I think that they're going to continue to get better, and you just got to hope that any other teams that kind of start peaking late in the season uh, are, are able, Michigan's able to withstand them, not only within the Big Ten, but ultimately the tournament, because I think the one thing we don't have to question this year, and that's a, barring a complete meltdown, <laughs> is this is a tournament team and, and a team that can – do pretty well in the NCAA tournament. All right, that'll do it for us in the Go Blue crew. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do it at Ty underscore Fenwick. You can follow Derek at Divine Identity. Thanks for listening and Go Blue. Go Blue.